Did you ever wonder what your pastor didn't say on Sunday? This is the Afterthoughts Show, a podcast inspired to help Christians walk with Jesus throughout the week. Your hosts are Zane Garza and Pastor Chris Chadwick from Canyon Ridge Baptist Church in San Diego, California. And we'll talk about biblical truths that didn't make it into Sunday morning's message. Welcome to another episode of the Afterthought Show. I'm Zane Garza. I'm Chris Chadwick. We appreciate you tuning in. I think we got a great episode. Um, you're going to question me today at some point. I it's going to be a special first ever episode. Zane Garza preached uh, last night, did a great job. First Thessalonians chapter four. We were pumped by that. And so uh, I'm looking forward to that. So it might be a little bit longer. And so he preached for a record length for him. He preached about 34 minutes, 35 minutes. False. How long did you preach? 41 minutes. Did you really? Well, <laughs> well, that's from the time that I stepped into the pulpit to the time I stepped away. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, good. Good. I mean, we don't preach long for the sake of long, but that, that'd be yeah. weird. But it was, it was great. It was a great message. Sweet. Well, you preached out of Romans chapter 8 yesterday. More than 41 minutes. More, <laughs> way more than 41 minutes. You didn't double it, but it was probably closer to double than, than not. No. First service was 50 minutes, and the second service was about 62 minutes. That's so. weird because it didn't feel longer in the second service to me than the first. Not that anybody cares. Yeah, I think it's like 50, 55. We could go back and look. I will say you told an illustration in the 8.30 that you left out of the 10.30, though. Really? The gummy bears. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll have to listen to that. <laughs> yeah. We won't you have bring to go, that one up. Go to Katie Ridge Baptist YouTube channel and watch that on your own. We won't discuss that today. Well, Pastor, is there anything that you wish you would have said yesterday during your message or something you would have expounded on more if you had a second chance? Uh, well, we were in Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. In mm-hmm. truth, the, the paragraph probably runs through 30, 27 to 30. There's some debate on that, but uh, we just didn't have the time to finish. And, and I knew that going into the study that we, I was already going to be too long. And so if if I went any longer, then, I mean, it would just be laborious. And so the homiletical side of me understood the need for the context of what we're doing. So um, the big idea here is um, that Christians really should be looking forward to heaven. And um, I think one of the things in retrospect that kind of didn't make it to the notes that to my notes or to my mind while preaching was it's interesting to me, but some Christians struggle with heaven. Mm. Like they conceptually struggle with the concept of heaven. And I kind of wish that I would have spoke to that, like people that maybe um, uh, just don't get the um, joy, the wonder, the amazement. Maybe their life has been filled with a lot of heartache and a lot of heartbreak. And the Holy Spirit of God just really has to bring them uh, as they yield to him to a place. The Holy Spirit has to bring them to a place of acceptance that heaven is going to be awesome and uh, and amazing. And then you have those hyper-literal folks that they, they just really struggle with the concept of anything outside of what they could see. Faith in Christ was a giant step, so this concept of heaven uh, is a giant step. And I think that's probably why we need to preach on it more often and be more ready uh, to, uh, to talk about heaven. I was thinking about it this morning and, and just the need for... Um, us to be reminded of the importance of heaven. So 
Um, yeah, I, I wish I would have talked about that. There's probably three or four things I wish I would have talked about, but that's one. Would you say that our misunderstanding or our lack of understanding when it comes to heaven is maybe a reason that we don't think about it as much? Yeah, I think we've allowed... Yes, I think that's a great question. I, I think we've allowed the... the um, you know, the touched by an angel show type shows, the concept of Hallmark heaven. Uh, as I said yesterday, where we're, where we're all floating on clouds, playing harps with a halo and wearing a big diaper. Like that's the concept most people have of heaven. I don't want that. I don't want to live the rest of my life in a diaper. That That's horrible. And that's what people think of heaven. And that's why that's why we often struggle with like Christianity, if I could be so bold as to say this, being um, often communicated to women by a bunch of effeminate men. Because mm-hmm. dudes out there are like, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want that. I don't want some kind of emotive, like for the rest of my life, I'm just sitting around weeping, telling my story about feelings. Good grief. I just don't want... Do you want to do that? I do not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't either. I mean, and so when when we start talking yesterday, I had several people say to either me or Debbie, like, I had no concept that this we would be on a new earth that's beautiful and it'd be filled with mountains and deserts and beaches and Christ would be at the center and there'd be no night there because Jesus is the sun and that we'll there's things I wish I had would have had time to say we'll we'll work when we're in heaven we'll serve when we're in heaven we'll minister when we're in heaven it will be vastly different than today but it's not going to be this float on a cloud eat a, eat a eat a bunch of you know, marshmallows and everybody just, you know, be hugging and singing Kumbaya all day long. I mean, that that would be so horrible. Boring. Yeah. So it's heaven's going to be a lot like here. No sin. Jesus will be the sinner. No sadness, no sorrow, no tears. God will wipe all tears away from our eyes. I mean, it's going to be fantastic on every level. I, I, I don't know everything about heaven. The Bible says, I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. I mean, it's far beyond our comprehension. We can't even conceptually deal with this. Mm-hmm. But what we do know is that it's not, you know, it's not going to be adult daycare for eternity. <laughs> so, is that a decent metaphor? Adult daycare, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, what are some habits that we can develop or hopefully build and put into practice that would help us to think about heaven more? Um, I think we should, should sing songs and listen to music about heaven more. Um, I think we should memorize scripture about heaven. I think we should talk about heaven. I think we should practice what the um, first century church and, and many of the uh, believers who've gone on to be with the Lord did, and that's meditate on heaven. You know, the Bible said yesterday, I, I looked it up yesterday, or read it yesterday in Hebrews chapter 11, that Abraham did what he did looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. That doesn't mean he was walking around the promised land looking for a special city. It means he kept eternity and heaven in mind the whole time he was doing what he was doing. And that was just fantastic, you know? And so we really need to focus, meditate, and think about heaven because we're going to go through difficulties on this earth. 
let's think about heaven in the process. So we're going to do a series in the next, uh, I'll probably finish Romans on Sunday morning, and then I'm going to do a series on the afterlife. I'll probably call it afterlife. I might actually interrupt the series on Romans and do it, because uh, we're going to be in Romans for a while, and do like three messages on heaven, two messages on hell type of a thing for five weeks or something. And so um, I think we really just need to preach on it, teach on it. And, and here's one of the issues. Um. We get so culturally caught up in some of the most bizarre things ever. I, I'm trying to think the last time I heard a message on heaven. I know this was the first message I've probably preached on heaven. Now, mention it, sure, all the time. But actually preach a message on heaven, I don't remember. I mean, you've been here for eight years. John's behind the camera been here 17 years. Uh, I don't remember a time that I, that we've ever heard a message on heaven. Um, but how many messages have you heard on uh, wearing skirts, um, the cultural things, like yeah. you said, that we get caught up in? Yeah. I mean, I did like, stop wearing skirts, but yeah, yeah I finally Me, gave that yeah. up. I'm glad you did. But... Well, I stepped away from the diaper. I went to the skirt for a while, and I was like, yeah, that's kind of creepy. So No, but but we we <laughs> preach on a lot of bizarre culture. Not even bizarre. Sometimes it's very, very important and necessary. And we've done a lot of that with the issues of, of transgenderism and Pride Month and a Christian view of that. We have to deal with those issues. But we ought not get caught up in them. We're thinking that they are the only thing. I mean, I've heard, I've heard, I've literally heard entire messages on why men should wear a tie to church. I, I can't find that in the scripture. And while those messages were being preached, I was thinking, that's not what the author is saying here. He's not saying you need to wear a tie to church. Now you want to wear a tie to church? God bless you. Uh, our friend Burton Gates did yesterday. I didn't even think about it, other than I thought he looked good. First time Burton's ever looked good in his life. And so, no, I'm kidding. Great dude. But he, he wore, I, I, it doesn't matter. I don't care one way or another. But we preach on a lot of things that are subjective when there is the objective reality that we will spend eternity with Christ, and that should encourage people in a wonderful, wonderful way. Yeah. The so. whole uh, book of First Thessalonians is really... Every chapter ends with Paul talking about the return of Christ, which obviously is telling us we're going to be with Christ in heaven one day. Yeah. And so, but I don't see anything about the ties. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Thank the Lord. <laughs> I'm very thankful that I don't have to That's not that. really part of after, afterthoughts. It's not even an opinion. It's just Zane brought up skirts, and I, I didn't want you guys to know he used to wear skirts, and so. Yeah, I didn't, actually. Did you say you didn't? I didn't. Oh, that's yeah, a good thing. that was, uh, anyways. Uh, I love you, what you brought up about Abraham. I was thinking about this before before we started, and, and what we can learn. Um, is it Second Corinthians? Whatsoever things are written aforetime were written for our learning. Is that Second Corinthians? Uh, Romans. Romans. 15. Yeah. It's close. Romans That's 15, why. 14. Romans 15 is close to First Corinthians, yeah. which is close to Second Corinthians. Yeah. So that would be my excuse there. Uh, but knowing the Old Testament and, and people like Abraham, they were looking forward to the Messiah, yeah. and now we're looking forward to heaven with the Messiah. Yeah. And so we can probably learn a lot from their life and, and their faith of looking forward. And I don't know, I just had that thought. Well, they were looking forward, forward. So they're looking forward to the Messiah and forward to eternity with Christ. We're looking backward, forward. Mm, so yeah. we're looking back at the cross and forward to eternity with the Savior. Yeah. And so yeah, your principle is right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I love it. That's great. Um, something I want to touch on as well, and I think it's 
is you started off the message with it, um, verse number 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Um, you, you dealt with this a little bit, or I think you did quite a bit, but talking about the sufferings of this life, and it's not, um, you know, I stubbed my toe or right. uh, I committed X, Y, and Z sin, and now I'm, I'm dealing with the consequences of that sin, but instead it's... Um, the persecutions, the trials that I go through because I'm following Christ. Right. Can you go into that a little bit more? Because I feel like as American Westerners, American Christians, um, we often are thinking of the trials in the ways that you said that this text is not talking about the trials. Yeah, this text is not talking about self-imposed um, consequences for bad behavior. It's not talking about like, oh man, pray for my finances, they stink. Well, you bought three cars... At 15% interest because you were impatient and coveting, and now you're thinking about or they're looking at bankruptcy, or you took 14 vacations, or you won't eat right and exercise, and now your health is, you know, really struggling, Um, or your neighbors are mad at you because you're, you know, blasting music in the middle of the night, or your dog won't be quiet or whatever. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking specifically about the suffering that comes upon us for following Jesus Christ. He's not even talking, and and I want to be clear here, he's not even talking about people who take a good stand for culturally moral issues. Let's remember they're in Rome, and the suffer like we'll have people that might wear a shirt like we hear a lot of things like this kid wore a shirt to school and it said this and he got you know suspended and people are like oh he's suffering for the sake of Christ I'm thankful for what the kid did but that's not really what this word suffering is referring to this word suffering is a word that is directly related to the regular practice of our Christian life causing us heartache, but us not surrendering said practices to the culture. And because we won't surrender to the culture, we're facing persecution, loss of job, loss of family, loss of house. I mean, we're talking about people like we have brothers and sisters in creative access assassinations today. I know a woman who was stoned for, uh, by her family for no reason other than she was baptized. Uh, that's the kind of suffering that we're talking about. Again, we're not talking about suffering because, because you have diabetes, you know, you might have diabetes because you ate seven pies last week. That, that, that's not suffering. The world gets that. My mother-in-law has cancer. She's um, going to be with the Lord in a couple of months. Um, that's not easy for us. That's challenging. But that's not what this word suffering means. Um, this word suffering mean, doesn't mean sickness. Other verses in the Bible deal with that. that. That's not what I'm trying to. I'm not trying to be callous in any way. I'm just trying to clearly help us understand that this word is a word that relates to the sufferings of the believer for the regular practice of following Jesus Christ or the extraordinary practice for following Jesus Christ, either way. So I thought, to me, that's just a a thought. We have to be very careful because people will blame Jesus for everything. And it's like, wait a minute. No, you're just stupid. 
I don't know how else to say that. Like, my marriage is on the rocks. I don't know why God allowed it. God allowed it because you're looking at porn every night. You've you've isolated yourself from your wife and kids. You're spending money on alcohol every day. They can barely eat. And you're you're surprised at this? Bro, don't be stupid. Hmm. That's you're not suffering for the sake of Christ. You're suffering for the sake of sin. Right. Afterthoughts with Chris Chadwick. <laughs> well, <laughs> the last thing you said wasn't very encouraging. <laughs> but I was, I was going to say that I was encouraged by this. Like, you look at these sufferings, and sometimes we hold back. Like, oh, I don't want to suffer for Christ. We would like to be comfortable. Yeah. But this is a promise that now these sufferings aren't even going to compare they, they won't to what com- heaven will be like, yeah. which points to our our the whole reason for the message is looking at heaven. The glory that will be revealed in us, that Greek word doxa, which is to restore us to the original state God intended, which was what our glorified bodies will be. We will not be... I've heard people say the most bizarre things. I've heard people say we're all going to be like angels and we'll be 33 and a half years old because that's what Jesus was when he was crucified. And all of the, and people, I've, I've watched people in church at those kind of nonsensical statements go, whoa. Well, there's no biblical basis for that. That's <laughs> just some moron who came up with a thought and people are like, wow. And they, you know, they felt, found it in some minor prophetic book that doesn't relate to the subject at all, if, if anywhere. No, we're, we're, our bodies are going to be in that original state that God gave to mankind. We're going to be returned to that. We'll have perfect fellowship with the Father. We'll walk with the Lord like Adam did. In the, It won't be the cool of the evening because there'll be no night there. There'll be no time. It'll be eternal. But we'll walk with the Lord. We'll have fellowship with the Father. We'll have fellowship with the Son. We'll worship the Father. Heaven's going to be amazing. We'll know one another. I would submit that we'll have our own personalities. It'll be similar to the personalities we have today. Hmm. I don't know if John will be spastic in heaven. Uh, I don't know if I'll be uh, type A personality in heaven, but we will have our own personalities. A lot of yeah. people think we'll have personalities similar to what we have, though they will be perfected in Christ. It, heaven's going to be fantastic. Yeah. So Amen. I wish I'd had a chance to say all those things. And you said that dogs are going to be in heaven. Well, I said there will be animals in heaven, Isaiah chapter 65, Isaiah chapter 11, what is it, Ezekiel chapter 34, Hosea chapter 2, all of those passages, the lion will lay down with the lamb, the cow and the bear will eat together, the wolf uh, and the goat will be led about by the child, the child will put its hand in the asp, uh, the snake's den, Uh, there will be animals in heaven, will your dog be in heaven? The Bible doesn't say, but it doesn't say they won't. They could be. It would be. It would seems like it might be within the character of God to allow our our pets to be in heaven. Pets aren't sinners. They're part of creation that are suffering. And this is what the passage says in verse 21, uh, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now, does that mean our pets? I don't know. Maybe if they're bad pets, I don't think they'll be in heaven. I got a few dogs I don't want there. Um, But we do know verse number 20 that creation was subject to this vanity, to the curse, to the fall, not because of anything they did, but because of Adam, and because Adam, Adam was subject to the same. And people say, "Well, not dogs." Go to you. You can't make that argument 
at all biblically when you look at Romans chapter 8, verse 21, 22, and 23. The whole creation is groaning. Uh, Creation is, as one commentator said, on its tiptoes, waiting for the return of Christ. Um, Now, I don't think the tree is sitting here going, I know Jesus is returning, but they're not in their original state. Well, you, know, you want to know what my opinion is? I formed this yesterday while you're preaching. I love your opinion. So I think Molly's going to be in heaven. I do too. Not yeah. going to be your dog, though. What? Debbie's going to be in heaven, not going to be your wife. Well, whose dog is Molly going to be? <laughs> Come on. She's going to be frolicking around Southeast La Jolla. <laughs> Southeast La Jolla. <laughs> loving life. <laughs> no, in heaven, I'm living in La Jolla. I'm living in La Jolla. Downtown. Uh, downtown. In a high rise. So. <laughs> That's I, I thought of that. And uh, there you go. That's awesome. That's my afterthought for, for your sermon. Anything else? That's all I got for Okay, for so a new phase of the Afterthoughts program. Chris Chadwick is interviewing Zane Garza. Zane preached last night. Um, I was in a pretty intense training this last week for the San Diego Police Department chaplaincy program. And um, it was 25 hours, 24 and a half hours of classwork. And um, obviously cut into my study time a little bit. So number one, thanks for uh, preaching. Uh, And I'm thankful that you um, did a good job exposing the word. Not an easy passage. This is what I did as soon as I read it. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought about, well, maybe I can go somewhere else, but... No, if you do that, then you're a coward. Exactly. And I didn't know where else I was going to go. I was like, I'll spend more time trying to figure out where where I need to go or want to go as opposed to just dealing with the text and getting moving forward. Yeah, and you build neuro pathways that whenever the text gets hard, I'm running. And um, and then what happens is you never preach on difficult things in a text. And so that's why some guys will preach their entire life and never preach through a difficult book of the Bible. They'll never challenge a Romans or Hebrews. They'll, they'll not look all the way through uh, the Song of Solomon. They'll not come to First Thessalonians and preach chapter 4, verses 1 to... What'd you, you got to 8? Did you get to 8? Uh, I, I never made it to 8. I was going to say, but, it um, seemed like you got to like 4 and a half. Yeah. So the title of your message was Step 1 to Holiness. Yeah. I don't know why Step 1. I was confused by that. Hmm. But... Uh, tell me a little bit. Uh, I'm just interested. You're a younger preacher, probably preached in church 15 times, 10, 15 times. Sure. Um, you're coming to this text. You know that your pastor is um, what most people would say, very cautious in the platform to never offend, uh, never says words that would get people riled up. Right. We don't touch mm-hmm. difficult subjects. <laughs> so um, what's, uh, if you're watching this for the first time, everything I just said was a lie. Um, <laughs> what's your first thought when you're you're reading this text, you're like, oh my word. Uh, and then you have to preach it in front of me, yeah. which if I was in your shoes would make me probably a little bit more nervous. Um, what's your thoughts? Honestly, because you are bold, that does help me a little bit because okay. I know that there's nothing that I'm going to say that's probably ever going <laughs> to go <laughs> past the boundaries that you have set. Yeah. So I, that's in in some ways comforting. Um, I think maybe my personality, but also the way Paul starts this, like when you when you look at what the way that he's saying, "I beseech you, brethren," and "I exhort you," and just the way that what those words mean, he's not being 
um, authoritative in a way that is like scorning, but he's like putting an arm around these people and, and he's their friend. He's their brother. And so I knew that that was going to be my, um, that was going to be my approach as well, because I mean, th- these, this is something that I need to work on that I need to get right in my heart and in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, the text was, it's obviously applicable to me and God's got to work in my heart before I ever preach it. And so I think, yeah, it was intimidating. And then I know it's, it's a weighty thing. Um, but the Lord working in me, um, I think helped all of that to yeah. some degree, if that makes sense. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, um, what's, uh, what's some stuff that didn't make it to the sermon? Uh, something that I was thinking about, I wish I would have done better and could have expounded on. Um, and this would have made my message for sure longer <laughs> was just that, the end, like tying a bow on it. And, um, I just thought there was more to David's story when it comes to his sin with Bathsheba that I could have brought up and, um, helped apply, um, to our congregation. And so I wrote, I wrote down a couple of notes here, things like that, what happened after the fact were things like Amnon went on to rape Tamar and then Absalom murders Amnon and Absalom rebels against David. And, and this long list of things that happened all because David sinned with Bathsheba. And I thought it, would, it probably would have been uh, easier for the people to see um, these consequences as opposed to the consequences from my illustration uh, about the girl named Priya. Mm-hmm. And so just to devastate, I just really would want to develop that, the fact of the devastating consequences of sexual sin. And yeah. because of our culture, uh, everybody's in sexual sin. And it looks like from the outside looking, or from the inside looking out at the world, it seems like you don't see those consequences. You think people are having fun, having a good time, living you know their best life or mm-hmm. whatever, and think that you don't, get to partake in. It could be like you're missing out, mm-hmm. but that's not the case uh, because sexual sin is not in God's will. And there are consequences for these sins and they're deep, deep consequences. Even if you don't see them on the surface, I mean, sexual sin goes beyond the, the outside, mm-hmm. but the internal uh, consequences of sexual sin are profound. So yeah. And the internal always makes its way at some level on the external. Right. And so to some degree, you know, as a pastor counselor, um, the, the devastating consequences that people face emotionally. Sure. Um, I, I loved your point that you brought out that, um, the, and, and maybe you want to expound on this, that I don't have the right as an individual to think sexually about anyone other than my spouse because I'm not a possessor of their sexuality. Yeah. So that is yeah, it's such a, like a deep thought that I never would have come to on my own. <laughs> I read it in a book. Yeah. Uh, I think you know what book I got yeah. out of. Why does God care who I sleep with? And uh, I'm reading it right now, and it was perfect timing that I'm reading that book, and then I come to this text because it was a huge help. Um yeah, it's something that you don't think about. I mean, we're so inward in our thinking. Like, this sexu- this sexuality is mine. I can do what I, I want. It. I own it. Yeah. And then you don't think about it as another person has that has a sexuality, and they own it. But it's not really theirs. It actually was given to them by God. It's a, and, man. It's a gift to steward. Right. Right. So, 
man, and that's just something I should think on even more because mm-hmm. surface level is like, wow, that's a good thought. But when you really just like stop, it's like, man, I mean, the ramifications of that, I mean, it, it should change the way that you think, which is something that I talked about. Um, God cares about the intents of our hearts. He cares about our desires, what's going on in between the ears, not just what everybody sees on the outside, um, which is important as well. Um, but what's going on in between my ears, God cares about that. Well, that's what he says, as you think in your heart, so are you. For as you think right. in his heart, so is he. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why Jesus said, um, you know, to the Pharisees, you, you say don't commit adultery. You're right to say that. But if you have a lust with your heart towards another, it's the same as committing adultery. Um, and there's grave consequence for that. Mm-hmm. And so um, just the, the mind process um so you got to verse four uh the or verse number three uh for this is the will of god first thessalonians first thessalonians four three this is the will of god even your sanctification that you abstain from fornication so it seems as though in thessalonica which is a greek culture like fornication among believers uh at some point probably before they became believers was a regular practice for sure. I mean, with the pagan religions and then just the culture and how um, acceptable it was to be engaged in sexual, what we would call sexual sin, but to them was just the norm. Yeah. And um, God saved them out of that. And that's why I called it step one of of holiness, because um, really he comes, he says, verse number one, sorry, I keep looking at chapter three and it's chapter number four. Um to abound more and more in your walk with God, for you know the commandments which we gave to you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification or your holiness, that you should abstain from fornication. Just right off the bat, he goes to fornication. Um, and I think the prevalence in the culture is the reason why he did that and the importance of it, because it's a sin that defiles more than just uh, your own body. But then he goes on, um, you need to know how to control your body, control your desires, and you need to do all this because it also affects other people as well. So what is, uh, I, I don't think you really brought this out, like the word fornication. What word is that? What that word? is any sexual sin outside of the confines of marriage. So if it's sexual and it's outside of a man and a woman in one marriage for one lifetime, then it's sin. So that would be the Greek word porneia. Porneia. So pornography, homosexuality, um, pedophilia. uh, The list goes on and on. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything except for sex within marriage. That is a a high standard. It's a high standard. This is how, how high the standard is, though, and how clear Jesus is about it. That you can't get divorced biblically for any reason there's i think two maybe three exceptions and the primary exception is porneia think about that like jesus said no he's not providing for you he's a bum okay now we have some counseling and stuff that we'll do but you can't get divorced but fornication sex outside of marriage porneia yeah you can get divorced for that i mean this this word is a is a and this concept is a super powerful word so paul is talking to the church of thessalonica and he's saying as i read it and you correct me i'm not trying to take over the this aspect of it but um church at thessalonica you used to screw around all the time you did that all the time that's who you were mm-hmm. you were just you were just carpet bombing the other genders 
That's what you were. But now you're a believer, and now I'm calling you to abstain from that. Here's why I say that, because we have Christians we deal with all the time that are like, man, I've been this way forever. Yeah, but now you're a new creation in Christ. Knock it off. Abstain. The word abstain. Give us the definition. The word abstain, to keep oneself from. Yeah. Just keep yourself from it. Just keep yourself from it, Mm -hmm. which is easier said than done. But it's easier done if you stay away from people who are practicing it. Like (laughs) in San Diego, you'd be like, well, I just can't keep myself from it. Girls are throwing themselves at me. Yeah, that's because you're drunken in a nightclub. Right. Keep yourself from that. Mm -hmm. Prevention, uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You you don't need to go to those places. Mm -hmm. Well, I just struggle with porn. Get rid of your computer. Get a flip phone. Give me your password to your smartphone. I mean, you got to abstain. Keep yourself from these things. That's the will of God. And you have to go to extreme measure. And here's what Jesus says. If your right hand offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. So if you're like, man, I don't know how far I should go on this. Jesus said, cut it off or pluck it out, your hand or your eye, respectively. I wish I would have said that. Well, <laughs> I've been preaching this a long time, so you did great. You did great. But, I mean, that's just the, that's just the magnitude of what Jesus said. It's not, yeah. it's not a trifling little issue. Mm-hmm. It seems so black and white, and yet people trivialize it because they love their sin, in my opinion. Yeah, and and often we don't we don't we want to skirt the issue in the pulpit. And I was so proud of you, even though I was nervous because I'm, I'm just being honest. I was like, I hope he doesn't say anything terrible. <laughs> and I was sweating, and which I normally never do when you guys preach. But I was like, Oh man, this is tough because yeah. there's little kids in the crowd. Yeah. And uh, I thought you did. I thought you did a fantastic job of navigating all of that and being a help and confrontational. And God spoke to a lot of hearts. Yeah, I mean the the Bible's just clear: mortify, flee, abstain. You know the list could go on. And those words are, I mean, they're just black and white. And so that helped me. I mean, it wasn't like the most encouraging thing about yesterday when I when I finished was I knew that it wasn't anything that Zane did. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the scripture's clear about it, and I just put out there with the scripture was trying to teach. And so, yeah. And so you do that and, and God will use it. So. Yeah. You exposed what the text said and you let the Lord do a work. And that's what yeah. Canyon Ridge is all about. Amen. Just expose what the text says. Now we all do it through our personality. You're a little bit gentler than I am. I'm a little bit funnier than you are. But I did love your red Monte Carlo illustration. <laughs> I almost asked you if I should if I could do that, and I was like, I think I'll be okay with it. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Fleeing from the cops when, when you didn't do anything wrong. We're, but the Bible does say the wicked flee when no man pursue there it. You go. So that's what it was. You were pre- it was before your your conversion. It so was. maybe I, mean, I can I remember it like it was yesterday, just being piled in that Monte Carlo, <laughs> driving down the road. Like and the cops couldn't find a red Monte Carlo with eight teenagers. 
pictures in it. Yeah, in a, in a tiny town. <laughs> they knew so, who you were. Yeah. They knew who you were. Well, brother, I'm thankful for it. You're almost done. Um, for those of you listening that don't attend Canyon Ranch, when our pastors preach, uh, they preach through a book. Uh, they have to select a book. And uh, it's uh, they select it. We talk about it, make sure that it's a good fit or that I'm not preparing to go there for the church at large because I don't want to discourage them. Um, but you're almost done with First Thessalonians. Uh, yeah. Like in the next probably 18 months, you'll be done. Uh, <laughs> it just depends on when you need me to preach. Uh, I think I probably have one more message in chapter four. And then we'll see what happens. I'm kind of nervous about chapter five. We'll see, though. Yeah, you'll be fine. (laughs) Um, How, uh, do you know where you're going? Uh, No, I haven't looked that far yet. You better start praying. Start praying. You better start praying where the Lord would have you go. Something I want to work on. I mean, I've always been wanting to work on this, but I listened to a podcast earlier this week and just um, the discipline of always preparing. Always. Always. And so I'm going to try to, put some things into my life that hopefully will help me just be constantly prepared be more organized. Um, that way when, when something comes up, I'm ready for it. So, yeah, I started this morning for Sunday. And so I started this morning and, uh, and I'll, I'll be working, uh, probably every day this week on it. So, and I'll preach twice this week. So, well, we thank the Lord for what he did yesterday. Those who came to Christ and those who were helped yeah. and encouraged and, um, just excited about what the Lord is doing. And yeah. so, uh, this show is sponsored by Canyon Ridge Baptist church. And, uh, if you're in the San Diego area, we want to encourage you to come to Canyon Ridge Baptist church. If you don't know Christ as your savior, we'd love to encourage you to check out our website at canyonridgesandiego.com and click on why Jesus. And we think Jesus is the most important person that's ever lived on the face of the earth, yeah. the most loving person. Cause he's the God of love and he, he loves you and he died for you and he loves you so much that he literally hung on a cross and his blood will wash away any and all your sin. Some of the stories Zane told about were before his conversion. Uh, and then as a young man, he came to Christ and God's doing an amazing thing in, in his life. And uh, we want to encourage you to trust Christ as your savior. And if we can help you out, you can email us. All the information is on the podcast that'll lead you to our website. And anything that we could do, we want to encourage you uh, to uh, check out Canyon Ridge. Give us a call, shoot us an email, and we'd love to be a help and encouragement to you. God bless you, and thanks for checking out an extra long Afterthoughts program. Yeah. See you next time. You've been listening to the Afterthoughts show with Zane Garza and Chris Chadwick. To listen to the sermon that inspired this episode, check out Canyon Ridge Baptist Church on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. For information about our church, Pastor Chadwick, or how to know Jesus is your Savior, visit our website at CanyonRidgeSanDiego.com. Canyon Ridge is a growing church located in beautiful San Diego, California. If you're in the San Diego area, make plans to visit us this Sunday. We'll see you next time.